This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Guys, we got a victory here. We're coming off of a 35-21 victory over Indiana at home under the lights. Nikki Joseph moves to 1-1 one one as interim head coach. Uh, we're not used to doing victories around here, boys. Uh, Tyler, what were your overall thoughts about the uh, this Indiana win? I mean, I, first of all, could not be happier for the team. Um, happy, happy for us. Like, I mean, we're the real victors here because I, I don't know what we would have talked about if we had lost to Indiana. Uh, yeah. So we're the real winners. Derek, what about you? What were your thoughts? It was a great win. I, still a long season ahead. I'm hoping we see a few more victories at least. But, I, look, I – didn't think we was going to be able to beat Indiana. We managed to pull it off. We managed to look good while we did it. Special teams looked good. Defense looked good. Offense looked good at times. I mean, it was it was a pretty complete game. I was pretty impressed with what we did. The best part of this game is I traveled to Nebraska to watch it with you guys and a bunch of family, and it was a victory. I mean, it was a, that was a lot of fun. Last year, we got to... All the family got together for the Michigan State game, which was enjoyable up until the end. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, getting uh, together with you guys, seeing a win is pretty special. So uh, let's let's just it, get it. And it was, it was a blast. It was, yeah, a lot of golf, a lot of drinking, a lot of football. And, and thanks to your parents for uh, hosting that weekend. That was uh, very nice of them. It was, it was fun, fun. Can't wait to having do it to, again. Having to deal with all us assholes, you know. <laughs> There's a little bit of beer left over, too. You guys have to stop over, grab it. Hey, let's talk about some players that stepped up. This is one of those games where it seemed like everybody brought their A game uh, on all sides of the ball. Derek, throw out some guys, uh, a couple guys that you want to give credit to. Well, I think you have to start with Trey Palmer, who had... The best game out of everybody, I, in my opinion, with eight receptions, 157 yards, a touchdown, three returns, which we haven't seen in like 15 years, it feels like, uh, 37 yards on that. Like, he looked good in every aspect of the game. And I was, I mean, just overly impressed with what he did. Uh, I don't want to take too many, so I'll skip a few of them because I got a lot written down, but... Uh, I was pretty impressed with Ty Robinson. Like, guy had a sack, had four tackles, and I was really shocked to see that our the leading tackler only had five tackles in this game. Yeah, but and then there was about five of them I think that had five tackles. Uh, and, and Garrett Nelson with two sacks. We finally start to see some pressure on a quarterback. 
credit Bill Bush. I know he's not the I know he's not a player, but geez, you talk about somebody stepping up. That guy dialed up some blitzes that were phenomenal, and he really simplified that defense enough to really make it look good. Uh, I'll I'll leave a few other names for Tyler and you. So I'll just I'll just stick with those for now. <laughs> All right, Tyler, give us a couple. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to start with the guy who had the first touchdown of the game, Oliver Martin. Um, Oliver Martin didn't play a lot of snaps. He played just under 20 snaps on the game. Um, but, you know, a lot of people wrote him off. Um, I think maybe even a person or two on this podcast and thought he would be an afterthought. Um, that He made some good plays early on, three catches for 65 yards in that touchdown. Um, that, touchdown next guy, that touchdown reception was beautiful too, wasn't it? Oh, it was a great Absolutely. catch. He high pointed it. Throw. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Um, another guy, uh, un, unsung hero, hero, Ethan Piper. Um, so Ethan Piper graded out as our best offensive lineman, and uh, Ethan Piper two weeks ago wasn't playing. He took over after some injuries, came in at that guard spot. Um, you know, if you don't really remember the history of Ethan Piper, two years ago he was a starter, played well. Last year got benched, kind of got written off as an afterthought. Came back in, graded out really well, really led to some good offensive line running. And the last guy I'm going to mention is maybe the easiest name to mention is the freshman defensive player of the week in the Big Ten, uh, Malcolm Hartzog. Um, who saw this coming? Uh, I mean, th- this was a complete shock. He took over for Tommy Hill. Shock number one. Two, came in, had multiple pass breakups. Uh, played 70 snaps in his first any time playing time on defense was great. Obviously got the uh, defensive player of the game and then had the big block punt return for a touchdown. Um, I mean, great, great performances all around. Yeah. That Malcolm Hartzog, I watched the uh, post presser with him. That dude, he is young. He looks, I mean, he he's just a baby boy out there. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, you see all these other guys talking, you know, with uh, like Garrett Nelson, Casey Thompson, you know, and they're young men. And uh, Malcolm Hartsaw gets out there, big smile. I mean, he's just a likable dude, but baby faced, real baby faced. Good for him, man. Coming out there, the way that he just, I mean, my God, we last week we kind of talked about that. That's a guy that we might could see. That's what the coaches were saying. He moved up on the depth chart to number two, and all of a sudden, by game time, he's starting, and it's like, ooh, what's going on here? But yeah, he he held his own. He held and his he own. Played, and he played, and again, he didn't come out. Like, I thought when he started, okay, maybe you'd see some rotation, Tommy Hill, Braxton Clark, kind of the guys you'd expected at this point, and no, he did not come off the field. Well, it was one of those things where it's like, is Tommy Hill hurt? Because you're not seeing them, but he's you see Tommy teams. Hill on special teams, yeah. So Malcolm Martzog took that spot. You, you did not see Braxton Clark on special teams, though. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I, I, I did it. You guys uh, nailed a, a lot of them. I just want to give props out to Anthony Grant. You know, he's still at 136 yards on the day, but 32 carries. He was a workhorse for us. Uh, I don't know if that means that we're missing A.J. Allen that much, but... Uh, Seeing him get 32 carries and just, you know, not n- no touchdowns, but he was a workhorse, so uh, that, was, that was good to see. Uh, I thought the offensive... Go ahead, Derek. Well, before we move on offensive line, so I, 
I think I had a couple more names in here. Nobody, nobody really mentioned. Sure, uh, go for it. Chris, Chris Kolarovic. Yeah. Like, dude, he filled in good for the linebackers. I mean, he, he played well. And he had the blocked punt. I mean, you guys gave Hartzog all the credit for running it in, but he doesn't run it in if Kolarovic doesn't block it. So give that guy some credit. He, st- he really stepped up in this game. And, and Hunter Anthony, you know, a guy that nobody really expected to even play, came in and was at least serviceable on the offensive line, which is more than we could say for what a lot of the offensive line did at, a lot of the times, you know, especially throughout the year. So to, so to come in and not, not even expect to play and then play as well as he did, I, I, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a beast out there, but I think he was, I think he was pretty damn good, really. Well, that's an excellent transition into the O-line performance and the shuffling that was going on there. Uh, Tyler, what did you think of the overall O-line performance and the shuffling with Hunter Anthony? And- um, well, I mean, I, I, I would give kudos to the guys that came in and played. I think there were some bright spots. Um, I mean, Indiana, they, they were in our backfield a lot, um, and it really disrupted KC Thompson. Um, it, one of the stats that's out there is – uh, you know, Casey Thompson was blitzed 15 times and he was seven for 15 on those pass attempts. He was 11 for 14 when he wasn't blitzed. Um, I mean, there was often times where this offensive line look, doesn't look like they could pick it up. Um, I, I thought the shuffling, um, was out of necessity more than anything else. It wasn't necessarily the most strategic thing, but I mean, this, this line's not good just not a good offensive line well yeah and i think that's why you're seeing the shuffling is it's to the point where you're gonna have to find different things to see if it'll work because it's not working i mean they had four sacks on us for, for negative 48 yards and eight tackles for loss for negative 54 yards like it's not working this offensive line is not where it needs to be so it's time to start trying some other guys and then you got turner corcoran who jesus christ I hope he's suspended for a few games. I don't mean, say that. We're already down a bunch of offensive dude, I, don't, I don't even Wait, care. Was it that he graded out? He graded out shitty. Yes, he had two personal foul penalties on back-to-back plays. Okay, so you, so, could, you could talk about the punch whether you like it or not. It didn't matter. He was getting kicked out for two personal foul penalties in back-to-back plays. I get but what was the first personal foul? I never saw what he did. He was pulling someone off the pile is what it looked like. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... I get it. That's a personal foul in today's college football, but that's not the. But you know, you know, as an offensive lineman, what you can and can't do, and you have to know that rule. I, I they all know I, that rule. I mean, that's bit, that's not a new rule. That's been no, a rule it's not. I just to me, I'm not saying it was a bo- it was a boneheaded play. I just I felt and, and that, the punch, that suspension. I mean, I mean Mickey punch. Joseph alluded to it. I mean, they're, there was, they're, there was no call appealing. for it. It's it's fine. Appeal it. I don't think it's going to get overturned. The, the, he, clearly, the, he clearly took a swing. Was it a punch? Was, me. He kept his hand open. Okay, he tried to bitch slap instead of punch him. I think he was trying to push him to the ground and just got high. Well, uh, it looked like he took a pretty good and, swing. And, and if he was trying to punch him in the face, then, son, I need to teach you how to throw a punch because that is not what you do. Is like you don't pause your fist in the face. and punch a helmet, man. Open. They don't want to punch a helmet. Period. <laughs> no, it, it was a I, dumb, I it was know. a dumb play by him. It was. It, it, it irritates me with him. I like Turner Corcoran. I I think he's 
a, could be a bright spot on this offensive line if he ever figures it out. But it was uncalled for, and it was dumb. And Mickey Joseph seems like a no-nonsense guy, so punish him for it. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to the defense here again because we saw a lot of great things to this defense. I mean, what changed with this defense, and how did they improve so much, Derek? Uh you know, I, I know Justin's going to want to go to the tackling during practice, and I, there's probably some of that. Uh, I, I think it's just a simplifying it. I, I, I really think it is. I, I don't know how they simplified it that much in two weeks to make it this effective, but whatever Bill Bush did, let him keep doing it because it looked good. I mean, we only gave up 290 yards. Uh, really only gave up two touchdowns because the third touchdown was on a fumble in the end zone by Chubba uh, Purdy. Uh, I mean, two for 15 on third down conversions, that's pretty phenomenal. Three sacks. I mean, I it, it was a good defensive performance. It yeah. really was. Eight three and outs. Last week when we were headed into our he, uh, Indiana. He, di- he dialed up some blitzes that looked really good. So, I mean, it, I, last week when we were headed into our Indiana preview, uh, we talked about what did we want to see as progress on the defensive side of the ball? And I, to me, progress was holding Indiana to what their season average was of like 409 yards. But holding them to 290 was beyond impressive. You know, 8-3 and hold, hold them to Hold them to 290 was about what I expected this defense to be to begin with. Like when we started this year, I expect this to be a pretty damn good defense. Maybe that's not your average holding the teams at 290, but I expect you to be able to hold teams a little bit like we had this game. Well, the tackling did get better. And Derek, I wasn't going to bring it up about the tackling in practice, but only six missed tackles in this game. And, uh, I mean, tackling was part of it, had to be part of it, because it looked better. And, yes, Bill Bush, he simplified the offense or defense and just – you know, they kept talking about it in the post game with Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush. What they wanted to do, and they accomplished it, is getting the, getting guys lined up, getting their feet set before the play. They I did that. that. Was I think that was a lot of it right there. Guys were not a position. You didn't see guys confused. You didn't see guys still trying to line up when they were hiking, when they were snapping the ball. I mean, it was just that one word defense seemed to work. I just hope people don't pick up on it too fast. Tanner, your thoughts? Well, I, I got two things. Uh, number one, um, I, I thought the personnel was a big change. Um, y- you saw no defensive front person play over 50 snaps. You finally saw Clement. I, we, I've been hammering for him. You saw him come in 19 snaps. Clavaric, 19 snaps. Um, obviously, we already talked about the switch up at cornerback. Um so I thought the personnel group was different. And secondly, did we see NASCAR package? Did, did we finally see them come out with that? Because there were plenty of formations. Hey, Justin. Drink. Drink. <laughs> For the listeners, you, you have to drink anytime Tyler says NASCAR package. I, I thought you guys made a bet. But, I mean, there was a lot of packages. You thing. saw Caleb Tanner, Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis on the field at the same time. And this wasn't like we've seen in the past where one of the guys was back and they were rushing at the same time. They were on the line of scrimmage. 
You even saw some Butler and Blaze Gunderson get their first action. Like, I mean, and and we got three sacks on Saturday. Like, I mean, I'm just, I, I thought the personnel group was a lot better. Um, and again, you saw a little bit less of Ty Robinson. He played a season, is, Derek, you mentioned him as a standout guy. That was the fewest snaps he's played all season, was 39. And again, a lot of that's because you started. And it was by far, yeah, and it was by far his best game. You kept him fresh instead of having him in there. Colton Feast only played 40 snaps. I mean, you, you, Nash Nutmaker, I mean, had been, or Hutmaker was pretty much out of the picture, only played three snaps. Like, I mean, there was a lot of personnel changes on defense, but I do agree with Derek. The simplifying was, I think, a huge part. Now, the question is. It, the reason why teams don't run simple defenses long term is because once teams figure it out, it's a little bit easier to defend. So I do wonder about long term stability. But for one game, I mean that was what the doctor ordered. Uh, let's talk about penalties. We touched on it a little bit, but this is this is one of the most sloppiest games I've ever seen in my life. Nebraska with twelve. Penalties, Indiana 11 penalties. Derek, what did you think of all the penalties thrown? Well, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, were they a little too flag happy on this game? Uh, some of the some of the penalties I did think were a little ticky-tacky here and there, but I, it just seemed like, good Lord, we can't get through two or three plays without a flag being thrown. 23 penalties for 203 yards between the two teams. That's absurd. I, I, you're right, Justin. I've never seen a, a game so sloppy. It was so sloppy there was almost a delay a game before the game started, and Indiana had to call a timeout. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I don't think I've ever seen that first snap of the game, delay of game, almost. I mean, for the well, kickoff, <laughs> it's it, it's just crazy. Like, I, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> And I, I don't have any words for this because really Nebraska's played relatively disciplined football this year. We we haven't been highly penalized. And I don't know what happened in this game that they just I, – again, I don't know if it was just refs being a little flag happy or if it was just a sloppy game, but or maybe it's a little mix of both. And can I say, like, I know we as Nebraska fans, I think all fans kind of get like, oh, the refs are out to get us. The refs are out to get us. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think you guys are. No. Like, no. I, it just, if, if you, you've always hold, heard the adage, you know, they could call a penalty on every play if they wanted to. Like, this was the game that was proof. Because they just, it was like, eh, that, that was close. I mean, it, I guess it was. But they called it on so much stuff that wasn't game-changing. There was out of the play. I mean, it was just, they found a way to call a penalty. I mean, what was it, 120-some plays on the game? Was actually the snap count like I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a really bad percentage of penalties being thrown when you look at that. Casey Thompson had two intentional groundings in this game, and that that was insane. Uh, it, it was, and blame the offensive line for that. Yeah, I mean he he was getting he was getting ready to get nailed on on both plays. So he's just trying to get rid of it. It and I feel like we haven't really talked about Casey Thompson yet, and and I don't know what you guys thought about his performance. It, it was fine. It was it wasn't great. Um, I know that we all hammered that he holds the ball too long, but but I I, I want to talk about something positive. 
Like, Nebraska, I feel like we've had a really good run lately between Adrian Martinez and Tommy Armstrong, and now we get these tough quarterbacks. Because there was that one tackle that he got driven down by his shoulder that, like, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, it looked bad. It looked like he might be out quite a while, and he's definitely taken his licks this season. I mean, the most sacked quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, and... I mean, the guy comes but, back in, holds his composure, doesn't probably should know. start throwing it away more, but he doesn't. He still stands in the pocket, looks down the field, and tough son of a bitch right there. Not only that, but you gotta love his comment at the end of the after the game too, where he told him, "If I'm out, I'm out for the season. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not coming out unless I'm out for the season." He is a tough guy. He's a very tough dude. So, did you guys agree with uh, his benching there in the first half? Uh, I I think it was a good call. I, I it obviously didn't work out very well with Chubb and Purdy, but uh, I I think it was a good call. Like it was time for him to just kind of sit back and relax a minute and just you know it's not the first time we've seen a Husker player have to sit out and watch from the sidelines to calm down a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I, I agreed with it. I thought it was fine. Tyler, yeah. I don't hate it. What what I don't necessarily love, we were pretty backed up already with Chubba Purdy. Um, I, it, there, there's there's a piece of it that, okay, what's good for Casey Thompson? But that's not a great position to play a guy in his first meaningful snaps as a Husker quarterback. I probably would have rather seen Logan Smothers come in at that point. Um, at least he's taken some more snaps, a little bit more familiar. I felt I felt bad for Chevo Purdy. Put him into the Wolves right there, backed up. Obviously, end up getting the you know, safety touchdown play. Um, hopefully, it doesn't hurt his confidence. But I, I guess in general, I don't mind the benching. I just I don't know. I thought that that was really a rough spot to throw in Chevo Purdy. Yeah, it was. Uh, what do you think, I, Justin? I mean. So when during the game when that happened, we were all together and none of us knew that he was benched. It looked like he had been taken out of the game, like they were wrapping his left wrist. That's all we thought. You know, in the previous series, I guess so much time and enough beers had passed that, you know, we kind of forget that uh, he took an ugly sack on the possession before on the third and two. And it, it was it was an ugly sack. Uh so after hearing the benching, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I was okay with it once I heard that he was actually benched. But, you know, uh, it didn't work out, obviously. But, you know, Casey Thompson, he didn't have his one of his better games this year. We, we've kind of talked a lot about him holding the ball too long. And this was a great example of a game where he held the ball way too long several times. Uh, and he's just got to throw it away better. And this is something that, you know, Mark Whipple's going to work with him on. He's going to work on it because he's a pretty smart kid and he knows what he needs to do. So I think that'll be a point of emphasis this week and moving forward. Uh, it would have been nice if uh, guys were open to see that uh, uh, vocal as that check down guy, like what we saw in the beginning of the year, but. Well, and I will say, towards the end of the game, I do think Whipple did a better job of getting him out of the pocket by design. Um, I mean, that's one of the struggles with him throwing it away, is when you're stuck in a pocket, 
and you're not really moving, it's kind of like, well, where do I throw it? I don't see anyone open. It's it's a little bit tougher. You got to move naturally. But I thought Mark Whipple kind of by design put him in a position where it's a little bit easier to just chuck it 10 yards down the field out of bounds and you're out of pocket. So it's good. So I thought that was a good play calling to help with the problem that Casey Thompson had. Right. Uh, all right. Let's move on. We got a lot to get into. One of the Can things I, I tell you my favorite stat of this game. Oh, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. So. Nebraska entered the game 131st in the country in punt returns. We are now number 11th in the country in punt returns. And again, yeah. the the block punt definitely helped a little bit there. That kind of that counts as a return. Obviously, we returned it. But we actually saw Trey Palmer back there. And it was awkward at first. Like the first time he returned it. And it was still kind of awkward the second time. But we actually started seeing positive momentum on the punt return game. Like... I forgot what that was supposed to look like. Not again, 131st to 11th. Like that is a crazy jump in one week. I think the jump across the board from uh, from the Oklahoma game to what we saw out of Indiana, and I get Indiana. You know they they were down a couple of their top wide receivers, but that's a team that was you know they were averaging what 90 snaps the previous two games. And they had 67 snaps. Our defense, they stepped up the biggest that they have all year. Special teams, they came to show out. Offense did okay. Uh, it was it was a complete game by all three uh, units of the teams. Yeah. And again, time of, just you mentioned the snaps. I just will leave at this. The fourth quarter, Nebraska held the ball for 11 minutes. Like, I mean, obviously the defense did their part getting them off the field correctly, and but, like, the offense, again, really did their part by holding that ball at the end of the game. Because, again, going in the fourth quarter, that game wasn't out of reach. I mean, it was very much a... It was 21-21 and headed in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't remember when the long bomb was, if that was third or fourth. But, yeah, I mean, it was anyone's game going in the fourth quarter, and we, I mean, God, what we, we thought we would do, what I thought we'd do against Northwestern, and be the stronger team at the end. We, we actually did it. So, yeah, great job to Mickey Joseph and staff. All right, Sunday, uh, Big Ten news was huge because Wisconsin fired Paul Christ. Uh, that was came as a shock to, I think, everybody in the country. Nobody saw this one coming. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't been good uh, being with their record and 0-2 in Big Ten play, but... They're two and three and oh and two in Big Ten play. Uh, Derek, what what did you think when you heard this news? I, it, it blew me away. I, it really blew my mind. I was not expecting to hear Paul Chris get fired in the middle of the season, uh, especially when I, you know thinking of the beginning of the year. I, Paul Chris was one of the last coaches I would have thought would have got fired. <clears throat> uh, but I, I mean, you lose to Washington State, you kind of get your ass handed to you to. Uh, Ohio State, and then I guess the final straw was just getting your ass handed to you to Illinois. Uh, I mean, thirty-four to ten is a pretty bad loss to an Illinois team that that's really damn good team right now. Like they, they worry me. I, I don't. I'm not looking forward to Nebraska having to play those guys. Tyler, what did you think of the news? Well, I mean, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts about this. Um, but, you know, guys, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, I've read a lot of resumes in my life. I've got a chance to see a lot of people's resumes. I'm going to help Paul Christ with his resume. And I'm going to tell you guys what his resume should look like. 
two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year. He has two New Year's Six uh, bowl appearances. He has a better winning percentage than Barry Alvarez and Brett Bielma. Three division titles. Three seasons with three or fewer losses. Like, I mean, Wisconsin fans, if you're listening, us Nebraska fans know something about firing a coach and then saying, man, that was the right call. This wasn't the right call. And maybe it'll work out better for you than when we fired Frank Solich and Bo Pelini. But, like, you, I don't know what you... Who do you think you are? Like, who... I mean, this guy isn't good enough winning eight, nine games away or 13, three seasons ago. Division titles galore. Like, I, it to, is to be fair, to be fair, To be fair, his last three seasons are... Four and three, nine and four, and then two and three so far this year. Fair, and this year obviously is bad. But it's five games and, and, in and college. College football is all about what. Are, what have you done for me lately? We well, all know this. I know, but we're five games in, Derek. And I mean, I get the Washington State game is not pretty. And Illinois is a much better team than I gave them credit for, and that's a pretty ugly loss. But they're treating Illinois like they're Georgia Southern. I mean, you lost to Ohio State, big whoop. That's- that's fair. I, I get it. It, it yeah, is. I, I, I don't argue that point with you. Like, it blows me away that you did at, least, at a bare minimum let him finish the season. Yeah, I mean, if he would have finished the year five and seven, we could have a talk. But, again, I just, it, it is baffling to me. And to me, this all comes down to what's going on with the coaching landscape. I, and I, I think that they, that, to me, this is Jim Leonard. This is... We don't want to lose him at the end of the year, but we are not sure if he's ready to be a head coach. We need to get some tape on him. I, that That's my opinion. I, I, there's no other way I can justify this other than their athletic director trying to make a splash higher somewhere else. Like th- Those are the two options. I, I It's baffling to me. I want to add something to those losses. You know, Ohio State, everybody loses to Ohio State, and when you do, it's usually bad. But Illinois is a four and one team. Uh, Washington State is a four and one team. They haven't lost to a shit team. I mean, it, oh. it's it, no, no. But I, but again, I think the thing is, like, you've gotten destroyed. Like, you gave up the second most points that Ohio State scored this year. The only team they scored more against was some group of five school that I don't even remember who it was. And then Illinois, the only team that they scored more on was Wyoming. And then to top it off, you only scored 10 points against both teams. Yeah, again, I'm not saying Wisconsin's had a great start. But again, again, for a guy that's not It doesn't justify being fired for with a long season Especially when he's had the record that he's had, the, the track record that he's had there. Yeah. Like it's one thing if you're Scott Frost to get fired when you have a bad start like this. No, I, I absolutely. I I'm just trying to justify it a little bit for Wisconsin. Like, I, there is no justification. Dude, I, 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 sure there but, is. But, sure there but is. if you listen to Wisconsin, he's only three in Big Ten championships, and they, and they haven't been really relatively close losses. I mean, I, I get it. He's sixty-seven and twenty-six overall, and he's six and one in bowl games. I, I get it. He's a bum. And, He's both. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm not saying that at all. But I mean, I mean, his record is virtually the exact I, same. Bo Pelini's was. Yeah. Except and we fired he, him. We did. We did let him finish the season at least. We at least let him finish the season. I course had that much go. I. It. 
it'll be interesting to see how ugly and what happened. I'm interested. I mean, Wisconsin is almost must see TV now. I mean, is this how all I mean, the other Big Ten teams feel about Nebraska? Like when we do I, something I will, I will say this. I will say this. The one Wisconsin fan that I know and talk to on a regular basis uh, seems to think this writing was on the wall for a while. He, he seems to think that Paul Chris needed to go. I, and I'm hearing that from a couple of Wisconsin fans. I know, obviously, I lived in Wisconsin. I have felt that. they, But I didn't hear this from them four weeks ago. Like, this seems no. to me like they are trying to justify the decision after the fact. It is, well, it, it, it's what Nebraska did when, I mean, Frank Solage and Bo Pelini is like, oh, that was a great firing. And then you look back 25 years later, like, eh, I don't know. Maybe we should have kept Bo around. All right, now that Paul Chris is available and there's a coaching carousel, Derek, would you want Paul Chris at Nebraska? Not particularly, no. O- only because I think he came into a stable program and kept it stable. But when he had to go try to rebuild a program, it didn't look good. He was, bar- he was I mean, uh, he was a 500 coach at Pitt. Derek or Tyler, would you want him at NU? Sure. I, I-, I think he'd be... You know, we've been doing the baseball analogy. He would be a solid double hire. Um, you know, if if when we talked about coaches a few weeks ago, I mean, we threw out a couple Big Ten coach names that we thought we could get. You know, Brett Bielma's name came out. Uh, I, Jeff Braun. No one said I, Paul Chris because no one thought there was a shot in hell we could get him away from his alumni. I, I would rank him more as a reached on an air type of hire. I I I I I get. I think he. It's interesting because I have felt largely Paul Chris has been overrated in his time in Wisconsin. But that is because I see fans that were saying he's one of the best coaches in the Big Ten. He's the best coach in the Big Ten. I believe to this day, if he came to Nebraska, he would be a top half coach in the Big Ten tomorrow. And a lot of other candidates I'm not sure about. But he's done it in the Big Ten for more than a couple years. I, I think he would be a good hire. Yeah, he's not my top pick or, you know, top two or three, but I would not be upset if Paul Chris came to Nebraska and uh, built Nebraska up. I mean, it's I think he's a good coach. Uh, I would give I would give him a chance, but I, I would not be happy about the hire at all. Like, I really wouldn't. So let's move to the Big Ten West winter projection. As you know, Nebraska's in. They're tied for first along with six other teams. For first place, everybody's at one and one except for Wisconsin, who's at zero and two. And as I'm looking at my little uh, Big Ten projections that we did this year, I mean, man, I had every damn West team wrong. <laughs> I mean, did I missed by a mile? Uh, as you guys look at this. With a wild and wide open West here. Who is your new projected winner of the West, Tyler? Yeah, this if you listen to our preview of the season, um maybe this will shock you, but I got Purdue. Um that that was you a were very hateful on Purdue. I, I was not started. on the Purdue bandwagon. I, I had to make it a bowl, but I thought it was ludicrous people thought they could be in this position. And and the win against Minnesota was very impressive. And, and again, that comes after a couple really not impressive games against Syracuse and Florida Atlantic. 
But where this comes really apart for me is two things. One, I think a lot of years I sit there and say, man, the Big Ten West is really, really underrated. It, you know, there, it just doesn't get the credit. I don't think that's the case this year. I think it's a bad division. I think Iowa's not a good team. Wisconsin's a terrible team. Obviously, we're what we are. It's just a ba- Northwestern is maybe the worst Power 5 team after Colorado. They're, it, it is really a bad division. Um, so that that's part of it. And secondly, look at their schedule. I mean, they're playing Maryland Saturday. That might be the toughest game left on their schedule. They go. We have they host Nebraska. They go to Wisconsin. Still not a gimme game. But then they host Iowa. Go to Illinois. Host Northwestern and Indiana. I mean, they avoid. I mean, they've already played Penn State, which and they avoid Ohio State and uh, um, they they avoid Ohio State and Michigan and they. To me, the other two teams that you really would consider would be Iowa and Minnesota. And they've already beaten one of those teams, and they host the other one. So, yeah, I, I, I got Purdue right now. You're talking about the West not being very good. Did you guys hear Mark Whipple today when he was asked about the West? And he says, well, it's a competitive division. He goes, eh. they may not be quality, but they're competitive. <laughs> God damn, that was funny. Uh, Derek... Uh, who's your projected winner of the Big Ten West? You know, you know, I don't hate the Purdue pick from Tyler. Uh, I did look at their schedule. They do have a f- fairly favorable schedule. Uh, but there's another team out there that's got a somewhat favorable schedule outside of maybe one game that I would have never dreamed being the favorite to win the West, and it's Illinois. I, dude, they're playing good ball. And I mean, they got Iowa left. They got Minnesota. They host both of those. Got a bye week. They come to Nebraska. They got Michigan State. They got Purdue. They got at Michigan, which is probably not much of a winnable game, and at Northwestern. And I, dude, you lose that Michigan game, you still got a pretty good chance of winning this if you can win the rest of them. And I, I right now the way they're playing defense, I, I think Illinois, and they have a somewhat competitive offense that can at least score some points on, like, Iowa. Um, but really, to me, it came down to either Purdue or Illinois. And I, I'll go with Illinois since Tyler went with Purdue. I'm still on Minnesota. I know they lost last week, 2010, uh, to Purdue, but uh, Mo Abraham was out. Uh, I think they, they got a solid defense, and... I don't think that they're going to be out of it for a while. They've been a solid team all year long. Uh, their offense <laughs> that's, is that's how, typically good, but you know PJ Fleck, he has every game a year that he drops a game that he just shouldn't. And but that's what's so crazy about the Big Ten West right now. Like it's not a good division. You're right, Tyler. And you know, uh, Justin, I'm going to go back to your comment about Mark Whipple here. He talks about not being quality wins. Well, yeah, they're not quality wins because they're in a ranked team from the Big Ten West right now. Right? Is that, I mean, is that accurate? I mean, Minnesota dropped out. No, there's, sure I don't Purdue's think there's anybody ranked. ranked in the uh, West. There's I mean, not. I, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> beating all these teams may not be quality wins. Well, let's talk about another non-quality team and that's Ruggers right now. <laughs> so, Great segue. 
<laughs> uh, Nebraska, they're three-point favorites in this game right now, an over-under of 48.5. Uh, Tyler, as you look at this Ruggers team, what do you see? Well, they're not a good team. Um, <laughs> I said I, that. You know, it's 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 funny because, like, I well, we'll get into the game breakdown a little bit, but I I thought uh, until like even heading into the Ohio State, I'm like, you know, Rutgers isn't terrible this year. Yeah, you know, I was kind of convincing myself, and then I looked back on this season, and maybe because I. Really thought they were going to lose to Boston College week one, and they won that game. It kind of threw me through a loop. But this team is just bad. Um, their offense is very, I mean, it's not Iowa bad, but it is really damn close. The 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 crazy thing about this team, I mean, their leading rusher is freshman Samuel Brown, 210 yards. Their quarterback, Evan Simon, Simon Simmons, who's been their quarterback with no Noah Vedral, has three games he started this year where he's thrown for under 100 yards passing. Like, I, I, I don't know. We haven't ragged on him in near as much, but that's Petrus bad. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing is the is one good game was against Iowa where he threw for 300 yards. But uh, this, they're not a good team. All right, Tat, or uh, I'm sorry. Derek, throw out some stats here. We got to hear it. All right, well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Tyler. They're not a good offense. I'll, I'll agree with you one whole, wholeheartedly on that. They are not a good offense. But defensively, I mean, they're the 18th team in, they're the, the, in the country. They're 18th in rush defense, uh, 29th in pass defense, 18th in total defense. Uh, where, they, where they struggle a little bit is stopping people in the red zone. Uh, they're 61st in scoring the, uh, defense. Uh, red zone defense are 126. So if you can get to the red zone, you got a good shot of scoring on them because they're not good at stopping in the red zone. But, I mean, to rank 18th in total defense, even after that Ohio State game, uh, I mean, it's, to me, to me, is pretty good. Like, Tyler, Tyler, you got something you want to say here. Well, first of all, when, when one of your games is against Iowa, another one against Wagner, and another one against Temple, I sure hope you have a good defense. I mean, I get Ohio <laughs> State is a great offense, but, I mean, they've played three JV offenses. Like, Nebraska's defense could look good against those teams. I, I just I don't know about that. I think their defense we have, is We good. haven't played the junk. We haven't played absolute juggernauts on offense. No, we you, have over right. 500 yards Northwestern, right. who's not a good offense. That, that That's fair. That's fair. I, I do. I mean, again, you're right. Our defense is good. That was a bad analogy. I just, I think their defense has not been good. And you mentioned them not being good in the red zone. Well, you're right. They Every time a team gets in the red zone, they score. Literally 100% of the time that happens, you are going to score against Rutgers. So... I, I just and, and and the other part the other part here's the other downfall for for uh, Rutgers is they only score seventy two percent in the red zone on offense. Yeah, I mean they're not, they're just not a good uh, red zone team. Uh, so an interesting stat here is Rutgers scored sixty six points against Rutgers or I mean against Wagner. Uh, the other four games they've played, they've only scored fifty eight total points. Uh, their their offense is. Pretty abysmal, really. Uh, that they only they're only averaging fourteen and a half points a game if you take out Wagner. Yeah, 
I mean, they're they're almost Iowa bad offense. I mean, they've scored. I mean, and they played two good defenses in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Iowa. So you got to give them at least that. But ten points apiece in those games. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, they played Boston College, who's, I mean, average team, I guess. But I I, I don't know. I'm, Did, is there any their, their, their offense? Their offense looks pretty bad. Is there any part of Ruggers that scares you in this game, Tyler? Well, I would say Eric Crookshanks, except he goes and gets suspended in the fourth quarter, and you don't know if he's going to even be available to play this Saturday. I missed that nugget. Yeah. He what got happened? Suspe- he decked a punter. I don't know if he actually decked him. I didn't see the play, but he got a, a penalty that got him ejected for hitting a punter. So, I, I, Interesting. And, and, and being he's a return man... You would think it would have been after the play or something because it's not like he would have been blocking a punt. Uh, again, I didn't get a chance to see the play, but um, and and as of ten hours ago in uh, Shauna's press conference, he did not have an update on his status. So um, yeah, so he would be a thing that scares me. I mean, what what scares me on Saturday is Nebraska. It's I I I liked what our defense did. Do I trust it? Do have, has it built back the trust of just how bad it was? And the answer to me is no. It just it. I, I'm not. I'm not buying that. The 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 getting rid of Shenander reset and we're now the defense I thought we were going to be. Um, I just I'm not there yet. And and what and my other thing that scares me. One last thing is the Noah Vedral effect because he got his first playing time last week against uh, Ohio State. And while I don't think he's a great quarterback, he might be a better quarterback than what they've had. He didn't throw any passes last week. He had four rushes for 10 yards. So, yeah. Derek, what scares you about Rodgers? Uh, their defensive pressure in our offensive line. I mean, they're uh, 34th in the country in tackles for loss. Per game, average is six point six tackles for loss per game. Uh, they're a little mediocre in, in sacks. Only they're averaging two per game, at six, and they rank sixty eighth. But the but the point is, they get in there. I mean, they had like four sacks against Iowa. They had, I think, uh, three sacks against Boston College. Uh, they they give they get they get they create some pressure, and our offensive line has yet to prove they can stop any pressure. And so I, I, that worries me. I thought with the way our offensive lines played in the first five games, like we don't, we don't need another team that can give you pressure. So does this game scare you because it's on the road? Like for for instance, if Ruggers was coming to Lincoln, would you be okay with it? But are you just scared because it's on the road, Derek? Not not particularly. I don't know that. Piscataway is really that tough of a place to go into, but I mean it doesn't it doesn't help either. No, but not not overly concerned about being on the road. Tyler, you had concerns. I they have oh. a good defense, and I, that worries me. Tyler, do some of your concerns have to do with us being on the road? Also, I would say maybe less on the road. The fact that we're on a road on a Friday night game. Um, I mean, teams on the road on Friday night games is not a great record. Um, I was going to pull it open and and 
because I haven't seen it lately, but it, it, it's overwhelming home team wins on Friday nights. Plus, you had a little bit of a overly emotional game with us getting Mickey Joseph's game. You saw how we celebrated after the game. Like it, it didn't seem like just another win. It seemed a little bit bigger than that. <sighs> yeah, but you have to think they're pretty beat up after playing Ohio State. I mean, again, I didn't watch that game, and so maybe I'm just. I mean, but like I would imagine that they had a lot of rest in that game because they were getting their asses beat. So it's kind of like Oklahoma, where we were down and out pretty early, and and again, no other quarterback threw a pass besides Kirkshank, but. He had one pass, but like it, so it doesn't look like they subbed out a lot of guys, or at least passing and tried. But I don't know. It was such an ass beat. I can't imagine. I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they got beat up really bad. Derek, what gives you confidence that Nebraska will win this game? Well, it's their offense. I, their offense is very, very bad. They're 117th in the country in passing offense, so they don't throw the ball well. Uh, Total offense, they're 106. Scoring offense, they're 98. Like, I, I think this is a very good chance, very good shot for our defense to actually look very competitive and good again in, in two weeks in a row. Tanner, if you chose to be optimistic about this game, why would you think that Nebraska could win this game? I mean, I said last week that Indiana was the easiest game in the schedule, and that I probably still stand by that. But I think Rutgers is the worst team left on our schedule. Like, I think the fact that it's on the road, short week is a couple things that are going to be tough for us to deal with. But I think Rutgers is just simply the worst team we play. Um, I mean, I, I wish them in Northwestern got a chance to play this year. That could be a really good game. Um, but A good game or a really shitty game? I mean, it, it, we, I might maybe, have... Maybe, maybe it's a quote-unquote competitive game. Could be entertaining. I, I just I think Rutgers is just they're just not there. Um, it, it's hard to find positive thing. I mean, the most positive thing about Rutgers is they're ninth in the country in punting. So I mean, I think they they're going to be able to put us in some bad spots, long fields. But um, well, that, if, if Crookshanks isn't playing though, they lose that big special teams edge is what I would have given them. Uh, yeah. So. And statistically, he's their best receiver, but he's lackluster. I mean, he's well. I mean, all their skill 20, position guys are pretty lackluster. <laughs> he's got twenty receptions for one hundred and seventy-two yards so far. He's their top target, but it's he's not, their top target. Yeah, not Again, special. I I want to go back and watch that Iowa Rutgers game, and I might do that this week. I don't understand how he threw for 300 yards. Like I literally thought it was a typo until I started seeing that he had 640 yards on the year and he had three games under a hundred. I'm like, well, he had to get him somewhere. What game did he get him in? And cause they didn't score against Iowa. So it's hard for me to understand. I mean, he had a horrible completion percentage. Um, yeah, I, they're, they're Rutgers is not a good team. They are again, but let's be fair to Nebraska. We have not, we're not a good football team yet. And maybe we get two in a row and we get confidence and we can build on what we did against Indiana. But, I mean. I don't know who the referees are for this game, but I hope they are not the same referees that we had for Indiana. Because as far as penalties go, Ruggers, they don't fare well in that department either. And so I the thing I do not want to see is another 20-plus penalty game. God, that was taxing. 
And you know what is, is even more taxing on the rewatch. I rewatched the game today. And, you know, at least with uh, you guys, all of us watching it together, when penalties were thrown, we'd sit there and bullshit, you know, drink our beer and talk until the next play. When on the rewatch, it was agonizing. It's like, oh, my God. Well, yeah, they're, they're 112th in the country in penalties. Yeah. They're, they, they are a highly penalized team. So, how do you see this game playing out, Derek? Uh, I, I see it being low scoring. I, I don't think they're going to score much on Nebraska. I don't, I, but I, I, do, I do think their, their defense is fairly legit. I, I, don't, I think they're going to pressure Nebraska fairly well. Uh, I worry that it's going to make Casey Thompson may have a few mistakes. Uh, and, and I, I don't know. I, it's it's going to be a tight game. I, I'm not overly confident that Nebraska is just going to run away with this game. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, a, a New Jersey paper said this is a must win game for Greg Schiano. Yeah. And, and I think you're going to see that kind of effort from, uh, Rutgers. I, I agree with Derek. I think that's a really good observation. I think the pressure and this defense gives Casey Thompson a struggle a little bit. I, I, I'm predicting a defensive touchdown and a safety for Rutgers. Uh, but I think the difference on Nebraska side is Anthony Grant, watching him run last week, there was like five or six times I'm like, he's going to break it. He's going to break it. I, I think that even against this good rush defense, I think that he has himself a game on that Friday night. I think he get, he finally breaks a couple of these runs. And, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. So you're talking about a must-win for Greg Schiano. If, if Ruggers wants to be bull eligible, they absolutely have to knock off Nebraska this week. I don't think uh, they still get there. but even Yeah, if they, and they may not still get – I mean, they still have to play Indiana, and then after that – they're going to have to hope for an upset with Minnesota, Michigan, at Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland. So, you know, there's a small chance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Michigan State's not looking like a world beater at this point. Yeah, but it, it has to start with a victory over Nebraska. So I think motivation's going to be there. But I'm anticipating a lower scoring game as also. Uh, Vegas has the over-under at 48.5, so they don't expect a lot of points. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup uh, between our offense and their defense. That's going to be the real battle. I'm not impressed by their offense at all, and I think the steps that we made on the defensive side of the ball against Indiana, I mean, I I think that Ruggers is a great part two to carry over and build up a little bit more uh, confidence on that defensive side of the ball. Cause Lord knows they needed it. And, uh, I think they can get there, uh, with that. So, uh, low scoring game, it's going to be a battle. And I think this is a game that w- it's going to be a, f- a fight into the fourth quarter. I really believe that. Uh, let's get on with score predictions here. Derek, we'll start with you. Uh, I- I'm gonna go with, uh, the old big red here and say we win around 24 21 24 21 picking nebraska this week i love it tyler yeah i already kind of said i think that uh rutgers gets a defensive touchdown and a safety um 
But I still think Nebraska pulls out this win. I got us winning 34-33. to 33. Wow. <laughs> a little bit more high scoring than you guys think. I'm not sold on our defense stopping them yet, and I think our offense is good. Their defense isn't so good it scares me. So, I, I like Nebraska winning here 27-17. to 17. I think we get a, a late fourth quarter touchdown to really pull it away. Uh, but all three of us are for the good guys. I love it. All right, let's uh, quickly move on to the games of the week. Last week... I went three and three, and you guys went four and two. So I am still even on the year, fifteen and fifteen. Derek, you're twenty one and nine. Tyler, you're twenty two and eight. Uh, not a lot of great games this weekend. Uh, it sucks that Nebraska plays on a Friday, and we don't get to watch a whole lot of good football games on Saturday. But we'll roll with what we have here. Uh, first game on the slate: number seventeen TCU minus seven. At number 19, Kansas. Derek. You know, I, I really, really, really wanted to pick Kansas in this game. I just can't quite do it. I I, I think TCU's got the better talent. I think they I think they edge them out towards the end. Uh, they both have really good offenses. I think TCU's got a slightly better defense. Uh, so I'll go with TCU. Tyler. Yeah, I'm with you, Derek. I think Max Duggan is the better quarterback on the field. There's probably not going to be a lot of games this season. That I mean, I, at, to this point, there hasn't been another game this season that Kansas probably hasn't had the best quarterback on the field. Um, I mean, they have TCU scored 40 points a game on the road. I I think that Lance is a great coach. He's going to get a lot of buzz in the Nebraska, maybe in Wisconsin search, but it, it, I think TCU wins this game. I don't want to say handily, but they win this game. Yeah, I'm taking TCU as well, but I'm damn sure rooting for Kansas in this game. I was looking for reasons to go for Kansas. Uh, But, I mean, that victory over Oklahoma, that ass-whooping that they handed Oklahoma was impressive. It was very impressive. I didn't see that Oklahoma loss is looking worse and worse as the weeks go on. (laughs) Yeah. It does. Uh, So all three of us have TCU there. Next game on the slate, number 11, Utah, minus four and a half at 18 UCLA. Derek? Uh, I, I really struggle with this game. I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, I, ultimately, I'm going to go with uh, UCLA at home. They really impressed me against Washington last week. Uh, they seem to have figured something out there in uh, Los Angeles. and I, I I like Utah, too. I think they're a good team. Uh, it's it's going to be a good game. I, I Ultimately, I just went with the home team with UCLA. Tyler? Well, the, the real question about the home team is, will, will the home team's fans show up? I mean, this is a big ranked versus ranked opponent. I don't think you can complain about the heat this week. Um, you know, Derek, I agree with you on the, the Washington game. I mean, that was a really impressive game. They were up 40-16 to 16 at some point. But, like, take it away, that Washington game. They've played no one else. I mean, Colorado, South Alabama, Alabama State, Bowling Green. I mean, this has been an abysmal schedule. I think Utah's a little bit more battle-tested. This is one of the two tightest games for me, but I am going to go with Utah on the road with the pin. Yep, I'm taking Utah also. I was high on Utah at the beginning of the year. They got that loss against Florida, which kind of... Calm things down a little bit, but they've been winning convincingly since then. 
And uh, I thought that win over Oregon State last week was a nice win for Utah. Uh, so give me Utah. All right, here we go. The Red River Red River rivalry. Did I say the Red River? <laughs> Red River wire. Yeah, that one. Texas minus seven versus OU in Dallas. Uh, Derek. Uh, man, I, I, Oklahoma's trending down. I, I Their defense is really falling apart. It was really surprising from a Brett Venables team. I never anticipated their defense being as bad as what it is. Uh, I, I think Texas will win this game. It'll be a close game because it always is. Uh, but, but, yeah, I think Texas finds a way to win this game. I, Oklahoma's defense is, is garbage at this point. Tyler? Well, I mean, you know, they, they get you talk about their defense being garbage. They give up 668 yards. And right now it seems more likely that Quinn Ewers is playing than Dylan Gabriel with him out with concussion protocol. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't think. Oh, I mean, if if Quinn is playing, like I, this could, I think this may not even be a close game. But regardless, I think Texas wins this game. Yeah, uh, I don't even know if I would pick Oklahoma if Dylan Gabriel, if we knew for sure that he was playing. Uh, I don't know what happened to that Oklahoma team. Uh, their defense did go to shit. It looked like that they were going to be, you know. All you know, a Big Twelve candidate to win after what they did to Nebraska, but man, talk about a letdown. Who is who's in a worse slate? Nebraska fans after the Oklahoma loss, or Oklahoma fans after the TCU loss? <laughs> I give it a push. <laughs> so, I mean, neither fan base. Can be in a good. We're in a good spot, you know. Nebraska fans and Oklahoma fans, they can't be right now. Well, I mean, you. Well, I, I will, I'll answer this. Oklahoma's had so much success lately, and, and if you want to say the positive after that, that was Mickey Joseph. Like, we're, we're getting a new head coach. They're stuck with Venables for a couple years. Oh yeah, and I mean, it just you lose this week, and that's three losses in a row. I mean. I, I, I don't know. Someone looked this up. When's the last time Oklahoma lost three games in a row? I mean, you might have to go pre-Bob Stoops. It might be... I mean, we're, we're used to losing three in a row at this point. Like, yeah. How we've lost six games in a row twice <laughs> the last few years. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, hit up some Big Ten teams here. Purdue at Maryland. Maryland, is they are three-point favorites. Derek. Oh, the, to me, the, this is probably the game of the week, man. This is, this is going to be a fun game, I think. Uh, Maryland is a surprise team in the Big Ten to me. Yeah. I think they're playing really good ball. Uh, their offense looks really good, but surprisingly, their defense looks fairly stout, too. And I, I'm going to give Maryland the edge in this. At home, I I like Purdue, but I, I, think, I think Maryland uh, has a bit of an edge in this one. Maryland, okay. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, I think, you're Derek, I agree with you. This might be the game of the weekend. Uh, in my opinion, this is probably the most game The game I'm most excited to see. I think it's going to be a great contest. Two of the three or three best quarterbacks of the Big Ten are playing on Saturday. Um, I, I think AOC is going to be healthier. Um, 
both teams were impressive last week. Um, I I just I I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna go with Purdue in this game. I I, I wonder if we fall into a little bit of fool's gold with Maryland because they played tight against Michigan and they beat up on a pretty bad Michigan State team. I think that, you know, Purdue's played tough against Penn State and uh, that impressive victory in Minnesota. I think they're a little bit more battle-tested. I could go either way. I picked Purdue to win the West. I, I can't have Purdue, the the West, losing to the fourth-best Big well, Ten East team. So... I'm glad you took Purdue because I already marked you down for Purdue after you picked them to win uh, the Big Ten West. So I was going to bust your balls if you were going to take Maryland in this situation. So glad you did. I I like Maryland. Derek, I'm with you. They are a huge surprise to me with the things that they're doing. And uh, Tugavola, the numbers that he's putting up at quarterback, I mean, he's already thrown for over 1,400 yards through these five games here. He's just... It's tearing it up. Uh, I I like uh, Maryland at home here. It's good team. Fun team to watch. Uh, Iowa at Illinois. Derek. Oh, this is this is uh, another game I found, I found tough to pick. Only because it was tough to pick against Iowa. Because I think Iowa should be the better team. But I, right now, I think Illinois is the better team. I, they're playing not as good a defense, but comparable defense to what uh, what Iowa's playing. And they have an offense to actually go with it a little bit. Uh, Chase Brown is just running the ball all over everybody. He's he's looking like possibly the best running back in the Big Ten right now. Uh, and while I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game, I, I think Illinois at home finds a way to win this game. Tyler. Well... I mean, first, I think there's going to be a little bit more scoring than Vegas thinks. I saw the over-under at 35. I I like the over in that one. But I, this is a, a yeah. complete field game for me. Like, there is nothing. I tried. I, I picked Iowa to win it. I have Iowa winning this game. And I tried to find stats to back it up. And there just isn't any. Uh, I just, in my core, I still think Iowa is a better team. I think they, in spite of the stats, I think they have a better defense. Um, I I get that Illinois is playing better football than I expected, and maybe I'm still doubting them for preseason bias. I haven't got my head around there, but I, I mean, I had Iowa the best team going into the season in the West, and Illinois the worst. I just my brain has not gotten to maybe reality, but I, I, I think Iowa wins this game in spite of all the stats. I would not bet this game. I would not touch this spread, um, but I did like I do like the over. So looking at these two teams, both teams have great defenses. Illinois, they're playing lights out defense. We know Iowa; they always play lights out defense. Uh, there's Iowa special teams are better than Illinois, but I don't think it's by much. Iowa's punting is a lot better, but their punting is better than mostly every team out there. I think what is going to separate these two teams here is I think Illinois' offense will be able to move the ball and score on this Iowa defense. And uh, I think that's going to be the separator. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a one point win or a seven point win. I think Illinois escapes with that win, especially at home. Bielema's having a hell of a year right now. Uh, The way things are moving, he's got like 
Big Ten Coach of the Year status written up there. I mean, it's it's up for him to uh, go out there and grab it. And Derek, if you're right and he does win the West, yeah, he's easily got the Big Ten uh, Coach. He's probably he's probably he's probably National Coach of the Year if he wins the Big Ten. Yeah, he doesn't need to win the Big Ten, but just get that into that game. My goodness, because if you're ta- if you're taking a dumpster fire of Illinois and turning them into a division winner. Like that's got to get you up there for coach of the year, national coach of the year honors. Yeah. Uh, yep. So give me Illinois. Uh, guys, anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? All right. Get your uh, get all your food grilled Friday night before the game starts. Uh, it's pretty cool. We had a night game against Indiana, got a night game against Ruggers, and then we're going to have another night game against Purdue the following week. So, hell yeah. Love it. Get that light show in Lincoln going. All right. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red.